Welcome, folks, to a special edition of Opinions All Day. And today it's going to be an all-NBA episode. Happy holidays with the NFL, with the Chargers, and that debacle that that's turned into. We're not going to get into that today. We're going to get into some NBA topics with the NFL Chargers dominating the fall schedule dominating the early NBA schedule. We're going to get into more NBA topics that I haven't gotten into, haven't had a chance to get around to on the regular edition of Opinions All Day. So I'm going to get into the Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Can they reach the NBA Finals? Can the Timberwolves or the Oklahoma City Thunder reach the NBA Finals. They are looking really good as of right now as the one and three seed in the Western Conference. Should Luka Doncic move on from the Mavericks as they are starting to fall down? They had an early run as the two seed, and now they're currently the four seed. We'll get into that. Will that Kyrie Irving mix work? Can Luca make some progress in the playoffs? We'll discuss that later on. I'll give my thoughts on Monty Williams' first season with the Detroit Pistons, who is the worst team in the league right now, and the Pistons fans need to be patient. Monty Williams is a really, really good coach. He's not some hump on a log. He's not some... You know, we don't know unknown specimen walking the sideline. He is a really good coach. And I was bullish on him with the Phoenix Suns. I thought they should have kept him around. I, I said it back during the playoffs after he got canned by the Phoenix Suns. I thought they should have given him more time with Booker and KD and, Devin, and bringing in Bradley Beal, which I thought that was unfair because I think this is a better roster and also, I think he's just a better coach than Frank Vogel, but we'll get into that later on. But I start off the show with who are the top two teams in the Eastern and Western Conference. Currently, the standings in the Eastern Conference, it is the Boston Celtics at number one, number two, the Milwaukee Bucks, number three, the 76ers, who are on fire. They're playing much better without James Harden. Who knew? And then at number four, it's the Orlando Magic going off 16-8. and eight. Tough defensive team. They got a good team that's young. They're a young team, but they are playing very well, and they deserve a lot of credit for holding teams on defense. And also, their, their, their scoring has gotten better throughout. But a little early for them. And then also in the Western Conference, number one right now is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Number two, the Denver Nuggets. Number three, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Dallas Mavericks. Currently number four with the Kings and Rockets coming up from behind. Okay, so heading into this NBA season, when I was... Picking the games when I was going through who are the top two teams in the East uh, in the Eastern Conference. 
who do I think long term will make the Eastern Conference Finals and who has the best chance to go to the NBA Finals? And I picked the Denver Nuggets out of the West. And then I picked the Milwaukee Bucks to come out of the East because the Milwaukee Bucks, in my opinion, right now they have some issues they got to work out. Giannis is playing at an all-time level. They are playing at an all-time level in offense. With the amount of points they are piling on, game after game after game, and Dame and Giannis haven't even perfected their, you know, sharing the basketball, because sometimes they are falling into your turn, my turn, which we have seen repeatedly over and over again, that does not work. This your turn, my turn, ISO crap, we've never seen it work. We saw it with Vibes in Brooklyn recently, try it out, didn't work. We saw it with a little bit of the 76ers and that Celtic series, doesn't work. Celtics have a big symptom of that. They, you know, they fall into your turn, my turn of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. When you see teams that have an offense, like the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant, it worked. The Raptors in 2019 with Kawhi and you know Kyle Lowry when he was in his in shape days, they were moving the basketball. Different guys made contributions. You had Siakam, you know, go down the list. The LeBron's first year in Miami. It was your turn, my turn with Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron. You know, it was a horrible pain to watch, and that's why they it, it bit him in the ass when they made it to the NBA Finals against the Mavericks, who were at that point not as talented, but they were a well-oiled machine. But I believe the Bucks are just too talented and too talented on defense barring any injuries to make it to the finals. Like you cannot tell me that they are not the clear cut at the end of the day when, when you know, when you put all the chips in the middle of the table, I'm going to take Giannis over the Celtics. This roster, I believe is better even with the subtraction of Drew Holiday, which was going to impact the, I mean, it was going to impact the defense. But it elevated the offense, in my opinion, because you do got Giannis, who right now is on an MVP level. I believe right now he is the league MVP, and I believe he is like the way he is just dominating these games is remarkable. I mean, he is on a torching machine. He he's averaging right now 32 points a game. Dame so far is doing really good. He's averaging 25. Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, who has been banged up. I mean, he's having the rest. I mean, he was banged up all last season. He's clearly not going to be the same player. He's not quite, like, he, he's sort of, he's on the decline. But I, he's sort of heading towards that Clay Thompson range where it's, ugh, man, you know, maybe two, at best, two game, two good games a week two decent games a week because right now he's a once a week player because he'll play good, you know, on Saturday, but then Monday through Sunday, he's non-existent. So he's got to play better. 
more consistently, and right now he's just not in the physical shape to do that. So that's the concern of the Bucks. But I believe you know they're a big team. Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, Bobby Portis. They will get Drake, um, Jay Crowder back, which you know I'm not a big Jay Crowder fan. He's a tough guy, and you know he 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 does bring that to the table. But you know he, he just misses a lot of corner open threes. And people say, well, you know, he's always open. There's a reason. It's because he's not a great shooter, and you don't. Re- and, and people always just, just assume that he's, you know, reliable. And I, I, and I'm not saying he's a bad teammate and all that. I think I believe he is, for the most part. He, he is a concern, but you can't. But he's a good addition. And then you got campaign. You got Pat Con- Connington. You got and you know you you got a pretty good squad that has shown the ability to reach the NBA Finals and win the championship. Like all these guys know what it takes. Dame hasn't won a championship, but he has reached the Western Conference. He just hasn't gotten gotten over the hump because of being stuck with the Trailblazers and being stuck in that situation and then being stuck with C.J. McCollum. You know, he just ran and then ran into the KD Warriors when when he finally made the Western Conference Finals, and um, back in Portland. But I believe the Bucks on offense are are going to be the best team in the NBA the rest of the way. And I said it before that with Dame and Giannis, and you know, and if the rest of the guys can contribute, they will be a good team. They will be the team that that will come out of the Eastern Conference, and and they should be the favorite. And I get it. The defense is not gonna is not great by any stretch. I'm not excusing it. I'm not excusing it because they've had some disappointing losses. They they got blown out at Toronto uh, early on, one thirty to one eleven. They gave. I mean, like they're giving up a lot of points. They gave up 126 against the Pacers, one twelve to the Magic. They gave up. 125 and a close one against the Mavericks. They had to outshoot the Washington Wizards, 142 to 129. That's not good. They had to outshoot the Miami Heat, 131 124. They had to outshoot the Bulls. They've had to do that a few times. They lost in overtime back on November 30th, and then lost a couple days ago against the against the Bulls in OT again. And then they had to outshoot the Pacers. 140 to 126. So this Bucks team, they do need to figure out the defense. The defense is a problem because when you get into these seven-game series, and we saw it with with the Phoenix Suns last season when they threw together the squad with you know Devin Booker, Katie, threw them all together, and you know people in the sports media. They have a short attention span, and they just get attracted to the next big thing, which was Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, KD. I believe the Bucks are in a different situation. I believe they can figure it out because on offense, Dame and Giannis are going to be there, and the other guys just need to contribute. And I believe... Compared to Phoenix and their situation, the Bucks have a much better bench. 
Like their bench is really, really good. Like the Bucks, I mean, I, I just went over it. It's much better than the Phoenix Suns. So I believe they can get away with it. But the coach is a concern. His management is a concern. Can he manage ex- the, the expectations of being a team that Las Vegas has as a title contender? Can he handle that? Because right now the Bucks are the te- are the favorite. They should be the favorite. And they should be. They are the favorite. The Celtics, they got to prove it to me. I know all the Celtics fans and all certain parts of NBA media say, yes, technically on paper, the Celtics should be in that mix. But once again, they routinely crap away in the playoffs. The Bucks have gotten the deal done. And you got Giannis playing at MVP level. But I believe the Bucks over time, they can manage. They just got to be decent on defense because right now they're in the lower 20s. Which is not good. Like you can't be giving up 120 points to the Chicago Bulls. You can't be giving up, a, you know, 122 points to the freaking Knicks, who are not an offensive team. I mean, we just saw Jalen Brunson score 50 points last night. But you can't tell me that you can get away with this bad defense for a long period because that that doesn't work. You got you do got to improve. You do got to improve. Like, they have no other option but to improve. But, with their offense being as great as it is, the the fact that they can score 146 points is scary for the rest of the NBA. But, as Pat Riley has said routinely, no defense, no rings. I'm not saying you have to be the old school New York Knicks with Pat Riley or the bad boy Pistons and bully basketball, or the Chicago Bulls of Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, or any of those teams that we have seen that are tough defensive-minded teams. You just need to be good enough. Good enough is good enough. The Nuggets are not a great physical defensive team. I mean, they have decent defenders, but they had a system in place where they were balanced. They didn't. Have, they were outstanding on offense, and they just needed to make stops on defense. And they were just big. They were fundamentally smart. You don't need to be fancy smancy on defense. It's just your willingness to make plays when you need them. The Bucks need to straighten that up. Is this the type of coach you want, Adrian Griffin? I'm not trying to disrespect him. I think he's you know, managing a tough situation. Think about it. It's his first ever head coaching job in the NBA. Um, and I don't know about college or anything out like that. I mean, I don't believe he has. I be- he's been an assistant most of his career. Adrian Griffin, think about this. He's managing Damian Lillard and Giannis. That is not an easy situation. And it's their first season together. That brings in championship expectations. Eric Spolstra, it was in his second or third year when the big three in Miami came together. He got ridiculed all the time. Now, this Bucks team's off to a much better start than that Miami Heat team that started off 9-8. and eight and was like, oh man, 
it was panic mode early on, but they got it together and went on a win streak, you know, and and fixed it. The Bucks do got to fix the defense, so they do got to fix it because when you're having to score 146 points to beat the Knicks, when Giannis has to go ham for 35 and go ham against the Indiana Pacers, who have a crappy defense. The Pacers are a fun young team. They got Tyrese Halliburton. They got Rick Carlisle and his running gun offense. They are really, really good. They're fun to watch. They will score the basketball. Halliburton's a great young player. They will jack up three-pointers, but they're, they do not play any defense at all. You got to steamroll that team and punish them. You have freaking Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. You got Dame. You got Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez coming off the bench. You got Bobby Portis, who's a he's a tough guy in this league. You got guys that can play some defense. Use them. Now, if I'm the if I'm the Bucks, and if you want if you want to make a move, I'm keeping an eye out and you know maybe potentially making a trade. And getting, I'm not saying a super another superstar. I'm talking about a guy that can, uh, guys, maybe one or two guys that can play some defense, like a PJ Tucker. I mean, he's not liking his role with the Clippers because he got shipped out of town, got that fat contract with the um, with the Philadelphia 76ers. He won the championship, the first one with the Bucks. Do you bring him back and just throw him out there off the bench and play some defense? Maybe. Now you got to suck in that contract, and then you're going. If you do that, if you go after PJ Tucker, which I which I think would be a good move for them, and I and I believe they would definitely benefit because PJ Tucker he doesn't shoot it shoot the basketball as well as he used to, but he can still play timely defense and play timely offense, especially when once you get into the later part of the regular season when you start gearing up for the playoffs because. That's the old saying around NBA world is that the, the actual season doesn't start until Christmas. So the, when, when, when we get the Christmas here in a, in, in a couple weeks, we're going to see where the Bucks season really is. Once we get from start from Christmas, February, March, and once we get into April, May, and then I expect the Bucks to be standing there in June against the Denver Nuggets, who we'll get to, get to in a few minutes. But in terms of the Boston Celtics, who a lot of people are, I think, like once again, buying into the BS. They're buying into the BS because there's a subsection of people that are still hanging on the Boston Celtics. You're still falling for them. Even, it's like the the guy and the girl or whatever, vice versa. You think this guy or girl is a good person, they're the right person for you, and then uh, they're really not. But you're addicted to them. The NBA world is addicted to the Boston Celtics, and they continue to fall for it. And they continue to fall for it. They've reached the NBA Finals in 2022. They did that. They were a Jimmy Butler three-pointer away. If Jimmy Butler just slammed on the brakes and thought for a second, he, need, he needed to attack the basket. And he pulled up and 
came up short in a three-pointer. Jimmy had a chance. Al Horford was not going to turn around in time. He could have blown past him and whatever. PTSD from that. The Celtics got through barely against the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are my dark dark horse team in the Eastern Conference. They are really good. They still psychologically own the Boston Celtics. I got to see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown get it done. I got to see him get it done because routinely in big moments when, you know, the stage is set, they don't deliver. And we keep making it, not everyone, but people keep making excuses for them over and over again. Because right on schedule, it was when the Miami Heat went in there as the stupid, lonely aid seeds that just barely made it into the playing tournament, lost the first playing game, got crapped on by the Atlanta Hawks, got blown off the floor. It was embarrassing. I mean, it was a Pat Riley must have been livid after that because the Miami Heat got out-rebounded by 20 by the Atlanta Hawks, who are led by Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and Vibes in Atlanta. I mean, it's fun and gun, but no defense on that team. I mean, I feel bad for Quinn Snyder. He's probably losing his mind trying to coach that. But, man, I mean, the the Celtics. I mean, how many times are we going to do this? And then they added Porzingis, and everyone acts like, He's going to fix their issues. Well, Porzingis hasn't been reliable since his first three years of the Knicks, which was almost eight, ten years ago now. Wasn't yesterday like everyone tries to make it out to be, and he's already hurt again. So can we stop trying to put the Celtics above teams automatically like the Bucks? They, they don't... Sure, they, they, the Celtics made the finals... Sure, sure they did. Sure, they made the Eastern Conference Finals three times. But they've lost to the Miami Heat more times than they've won. And last season, it was against an eight-seed Miami Heat team that was not very good. They were a horrible scoring team in the regular season. And you let them, I mean, I get it, they were hot. Jimmy Butler was, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to disrespect the Miami Heat. I am a huge Miami Heat fan. I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan. But at that moment in time, we were not expecting any of this. No one was. And and the narrative changed from these Celtics fans acting like we knew this was going to happen from the Miami Heat. No, we did not. They they barely got by the Hawks. So the Celtics don't deserve to just be crowned. They got punked by the Miami Heat. They were up 3-0. They almost blew it. But then game seven, the Celtics worked their way back into that game, showed up to the party finally, and then they blow it in game seven at home where the Celtics are unbeatable according to these NBA people. The Celtics, they can't lose at home. Well, they got bland blasted. They got murdered by the Miami Heat at home. They got bulldozed right over by Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent. 
They came in there and punked you. The eight-seeded, lonely, scrappy Miami Heat on their magic carpet ride. And I get it. They blew past the Bucks. They got past the Knicks. Gritty. But you can't lose to the freaking eight seed. You can't. And I know, you know, it's different. There's not much of a different. I mean, it's it's been a weird last couple of years in the NBA. Essentially, ever since the pandemic, every team has a chance because you can be the eight seed, like the Miami Heat now, and have a chance to get still get to the finals, like the Lakers. They sort of coast through the regular season. Hey, we could be the eight seed, but hey, we're still better than the one seed. We've seen LeBron teams when he was in Cleveland the second go-around dominate teams as a five seed, dominating the one seed. One year, he blew out the Hawks when they were the one seed. Swept them. So... This is not a foregone conclusion that the Celtics, to me, should be the one seed and should be the automatic favorites in the East. Right now, they are currently number two because they are playing well. But when it comes to May and June, April, they need to show up. They need to get it done for once. Can you get it done? Don't blame Joe Missoula. I don't want to hear about it. And then like, some even go as deep as blaming Ime Udoka, he's not there anymore. Can't blame Marcus Smart. He's not there anymore. If Jason Tatum's that guy, if he is that guy, if he is looked at as that LeBron type of player, if he's going to be viewed as on the KD when he was in his prime or at the in the middle, at the beginning of it, these top players in the league, if we're going to put him on the Kobe Bryant level, which some guys do reach for, he needs to show up and have that Mamba mentality because he hasn't shown it yet. I haven't seen it. In big moments, he's come up short. He needs to deliver. And he impressed me in that game seven. I thought he turned the corner in that game seven against the 76ers who melted. Jason Tatum took the game by the horns, scored 51 points. The highest scoring points on a game seven in NBA history. I thought he turned the page. I was I was impressed. Now, Philadelphia threw in the towel thanks to James Harden not showing up and quitting. And then Joel Mead dropping a goose egg and not showing up to the party in a game seven. Getting blasted in the third quarter by the Celtics team. I thought they'd turn the corner. But then the Miami Heat series happened. So... I don't trust this team. I don't trust Porzingis. I don't I mean Derek White's a good player. I like him. They did add Drew Holiday. But this team needed a true point guard. They needed like a Chris Paul type like that Chris Paul would have fit with this team. Can't trust the injuries. That's the only problem with him. But that's what they needed. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and then Derek White occasionally, or Drew Holiday. They can't be doing musical chairs of you bring the ball up, you bring the ball up. My never works. I just said it earlier about the Bucks, where they got to figure out an offensive flow. Right now, there is no flow with this team. 
with this offense, with this Celtics offense, it has not looked very, very good at all. They got to get it together. They got to get it together because I don't want to hear any excuses. Because if this team's supposed to dominate the East, as everyone says, all these Celtics fans who are loud, they're loud, they are all over the place. And they make it known. But your team needs to show up when it matters the most. I don't want to hear any excuses. No one wants to hear it anymore. No one does. Nobody does. There's a big game on Christmas Day. Win that game. Get it done. Win the big games. There's a game April, May, June. Show up. I criticized Giannis on my old show routinely. And then he shut me up because he finished the deal. That's what you got to do. That's what guys got to do. Jalen Brown, you're the highest paid player in the NBA. Hate to say it. I'm not saying he is one of the best players. These expectations can be unfair, but if you're making that much money that he's making, two over $250 million, like I don't want to hear any excuses from you. I don't want to hear any excuses. Because people view him as a top 10 player. Like I've heard people say that. NBA, former NBA players. I have heard them say that, which to me is crazy. $303 million is Jalen Brown's contract. You got to play up to that money. Because that, as of right now, you are the highest paid player in the league. There needs to be some accountability for that. You don't just get the large, fat contract and just scoot by with just being another dude. Because right now he's averaging 22 points a game. He needs to pick that up. He needs to also pick up his performances in the postseason. Because there's always an excuse of Jalen Brown. Whether it's wasn't focused, whether it's injuries. Because last year it was the magical. He got, he got cut on his hand. And for some reason that, that happened early on. I believe it was in the 76ers series. But it impacted him all the way through the Miami Heat series. To where he couldn't, he can't dribble the basketball now. Why was he even playing? If it was that bad. And I'm not trying to question that he was faking an injury or something like that. But it's always something. It's whether, oh, I didn't get enough touches. The offense wasn't schemed for me. It was, uh, you know, the head coach's fault. It was Jason Tatum's fault. No, you. there needs to be some accountability with the Boston Celtics. Because people put them in as in Sharpie and just assume that they're going to be there standing. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know that because I don't trust Jason Tatum as that leader in big moments. He's not. He compares himself to Kobe, and he's not Kobe, okay? His game might look visually similar, but you don't get that edge. You don't get the confidence. You don't get that leadership, that get the F out of my way leadership that Kobe brought to the table to where it was like, we're going to get this home 
no matter what. Like you expected him to get it done. With Jason Tatum right now, the expectation is like, uh, I don't know if he's going to get it done. Like if they're in a close game, I'm not sure they are going to get it done. I don't trust it. Like there's a moment tomorrow I'm like, uh, I don't know. Mm. Jason Tatum, skeptical. Game seven against the 76ers, I was still skeptical. It wasn't automatic. Like, if it was Kobe Bryant against that 76ers team in a game seven, heck yeah, I'm going with Kobe. You freaking kidding me? He's better than Jason Tatum. People And, and people and Celtics fans love to do this. They, they try to pretend like that comparison doesn't exist when it does. Because I hear it repeatedly when the going's going good. When they were going through the playoffs, when they were going through the regular season last year, it was going good, right? Jason Tatum, is he, is he Kobe? I heard that. And now people try to pretend when they get into these tough situations, when they face a Miami Heat, when they do face a Philadelphia 76ers team, when they get pushed against the wall, there's always an excuse, which it just gets on my nerves, okay? Let's set the record straight. So I'm hoping we're setting the record straight with this Celtics team. And I get it. They've looked good. They've hammered the Bucks in both games this season. But, again, they do it every year. They always look good. They always look good. That type of system with Tatum and Brown with what they bring the, to the table, and if when Porzingis is out there and select regular season games, they can get it done. They can definitely get it done. They are a team that you cannot take lightly because they will blow you off the floor. Like when they are focused, when they are right, they will kick your ass. A couple weeks ago, they knocked off the Bulls and they blew, annihilated them. I mean, I know the Bulls are not a great team. They're, they should be tanking, should be selling, not standing pat. But they are in purgatory in NBA terms. Uh, 124-97. When they are right, the Celtics, they show up to the party and they, dom- they can dominate. Jason Tatum can dominate. But he doesn't do it enough. When the expectations are at its highest. That's all that it comes down to. You can have all these regular season numbers. Jason Tatum could go on a run. Starting after Christmas. Until the rest of the season, regular season. He could win league MVP. It's still not going to change. My perception of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the postseason. Still not. They are not the 2008 Celtics when it was Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen and a young Rajon Rondo. This isn't that team. They're not mentally strong. They don't have a Kevin Garnett. They don't have a Kobe Bryant. They don't have a Rajon Rondo to get him straight. A point guard is what this team needs. They need an alpha. A Chris Paul would have been good. They should have gone after a Dame. Now, is he 
a classic point guard? No. But they need another guy to score. And I thought they should. I mean, I, I didn't love it. I loved the fit with the 76ers better. The Miami Heat didn't work out. But then he went. I, I like also like the fit with the Bucks. But the Celtics team is still missing a piece. And the consolation prize was, oh, you get Drew Holiday. You get Porzingis. And that, that to me is just like, I don't know. I don't love it. It's a good regular season team. They could definitely finish here with the best record in the Eastern Conference, maybe even the entire league. But it's still that's not going to make me feel any different once we get into April, May, and June. If even the Celtics make it through May. Because last year they couldn't make it to June. Because they got steamrolled and busted out of their house by the Miami Heat. Miami Heat went up there because they watched the Nun movie, or I believe it was, or whatever that movie in Boston, and they kicked ass. They did. They punked that Celtics team. They punked Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown out of the building in their own house. So, yes, the Celtics are a talented team. But when we are talking about them in terms of winning the East and winning the NBA championship, I don't trust it. It's a, I got to see it. I got to see it. So, okay, now in terms of my dark horses, I referenced the Miami Heat. We'll get to them in a second. But the 76ers quietly here, if you have not realized, you heard about the James Harden fiasco back in the early parts of the season in October, early November, and then James Harden was shipped out of town finally. Shipped off to the Clippers. He's now Clippers problems. And now the 76ers are 16-7. and seven. They are on a roll with Joel Embiid, an MVP candidate, at 33 points a game. He is cooking 11 rebounds. Tyrese Maxey has taken his game to a, a new level. I will admit that. In the past... Since we've been on, I've been critical of Tyrese Maxey because I would have traded him for Damian Lillard. I still stand by that. I get what Tyrese Maxey has the capability of doing. I believe he has definitely improved drastically. I mean, 26 points a game, dropping. He dropped 30-plus a couple games ago. He's really, really, really good. I'm not going to sit here and deny and pretend just so it can fit my narrative that I, you know, that I would have traded Dame for Tyrese Maxey, which I still would have done. Because right now, I think Dame is, and obviously, because he's been in the league longer, is a more polished player. Because right now, the goal for the 76ers, similar to the Celtics, with Joel Embiid winning league MVP and asserting himself as a dominant force in this league, even more so than Jason Tatum. Like, I believe, like, I, like, I agree with the fact that Joel Embiid right now is on a high... If I were to sit here and rank... I don't love doing rankings. But if I were to do a hypothetical ranking of NBA players, I would have Joel Embiid somewhere higher than Jason Tatum. Because right now, I just believe Joel is better. I believe he leads his team better. I believe he impacts the game 
more consistently than Jason Tatum, but in the big moments when they have met in the playoffs, Tatum has be- he's gotten the best of Joel Embiid. So I do give him I do give Tatum credit. Joel Embiid just needs to get it done in the playoffs. He needs to get it done. I don't want to hear any excuses. James Harden is gone. So the dark cloud is out of the building. The pebble is out of the shoe. There's no more no more of it. It's gone. It's history. He's with the Clippers. He's no longer a member of the 76ers. So I don't want to hear about the James Harden stuff anymore. Because it's no longer relevant. It just isn't. It's not a part of the story that needs to be attached to the 76ers because it happened so early. But Joel needs to make a play. He needs to make some noise in the postseason because now I think they have a pretty good team. If Maxi can keep this up and average 26 points a game, an occasional 30-point outburst, maybe even a 40-point game outburst, then that is a big help for Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris, I'll give him credit. I crap on Tobias Harris quite often. Career-wise, he's overrated for what he's presented as. He's averaging 17 points a game. Kelly Oubre has been a good addition for him. Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris for whatever he's good at. Patrick Beverly a couple weeks ago had a 26-point game with a leading scorer with Embiid and Maxi out. That's rare, but if you can get that out of Patrick Beverly once in a blue moon, Paul Reed, they got a decent roster. It's nothing great. No one, Dara Mori, just got an extension. So the 76ers like what he did. If he can make a move or two, tweak or two, that would that would help them out. Or maybe if they could, if the Clippers buy out P.J. Tucker or hypothetically, maybe they can get him back for defensive purposes because I believe there could be a potential tug of war for him because he's not happy. Now, I'm not saying trying to make P.J. Tucker look like a game changer or X factor. Maybe he won't go back to the 76ers after getting traded. But I do think the 76ers would benefit from a move. I'm not saying it needs to be at Zach Levine because I do believe Zach Levine, no matter what people say, I do believe he's overrated. I don't think he's that type of player. Never have, never will. So, the 76ers are, they are a dark horse. They are my third, I guess you would say, third team in the East. The Magic are a nice story, but long term, once we get into the playoff mode, once we start changing gears into the, you know, the calendar and all that, the 76ers, I believe, will be in the mix. We'll, we'll be talking about the 76ers as the team to beat. One of the teams to beat. So watch out for the 76ers. And then, of course, the Miami Heat. 
And I know I was preaching all summer, promoting all summer that the Miami Heat need to get Dame. That's And he, I still stand by it. He is definitely a huge addition for any team. I mean, I was making the case for why the 76ers needed him, why the Bucks needed him, why maybe even the Lakers, maybe even the Celtics. Brooklyn, I heard that team was floated out there. I didn't think that was serious because of the Nets said they're they're young. They got some okay pieces, but they are you know, they're not winning a championship anytime soon. It's sort of just a repeat of Portland, but he's just changing coast. So that didn't make any sense unless you just because Dame loved living in Portland. That's why he wasn't necessarily thrilled with getting shipped off to Milwaukee. That's why he wanted Miami because he wanted to be a Butler and Bam and Heat culture. That's what the Miami Heat needed. They needed a guy in Dame that could score 60 at any given moment. That's what he wanted. That's what the Miami Heat team needed. Now, Bam's out of a hip injury. We'll see how long that lasts. That's a concern. But And I get it. They got Tyler Hero. Welcome back. He's been banged up. He's only played eight games this season. Bam and his injuries. They got Butler. They got Duncan Robinson. He's playing better. They got Jamie Jaquez Jr. Who is looking good. He's looking good. He's a Miami Heat classic. Plays defense. He can play point guard. He can do anything. He's a Swiss Army Knife player. But... Ugh. He's not Dame. He's averaging 13 points a game. Duncan Robinson's averaging 15 a game. When Hero, if he ever, if he can get back in, he was averaging 23 a game. He was looking good. Bam was averaging 23 a game. But they really needed Dame. I know the defense maybe would have taken a major, major hit. But the Miami Heat will always find a way to fit in. They will always find a way to fit in, guys. You can't tell me with Eric Spolstra and his expertise. Ooh. Like if Eric Spolstra was the coach of the Bucks, it would be over. Then be a championship. They could do it. They could go ahead and schedule the parade in Milwaukee. They it would be or it would be over. That's how smart of a coach Eric Spolstra is. That's how smart Pat Riley is and the influence that he does have. But the Miami Heat are definitely a team that needs to be taken seriously because they have proven with Jimmy Butler and the Jimmy Butler era, when they can get in the tournament, they may have their moments in the regular season where it's oof, not looking too hot, not looking too good. The record's not sexy by any stretch of the imagination. They are 14-11. and 11. I mean, that's the Miami Heat for you. They weren't very good last year. They were not. They were not. They were a 500 team. But they got into the tournament. Butler has that mentality. The strong mindset. And they got it done. They got to the finals because they played team basketball. And it worked. They're smart. They out. They schemed. You don't really see it much in the NBA that often. 
the the coaching staff, along with Butler's expertise in basketball IQ, they schemed their way to the finals. They played defense, played smart basketball. They got Caleb Martin involved. They got Gabe Vincent. They made plays. And then Butler led them the way. Like, he was the leader and led the way. So, the Miami Heat are another team, another dark horse team in the East that needs to be taken serious. And watch out. They may be kind of quiet and, you know, they could have, I'm not saying they're going to win the NBA championship because I don't believe they can. I don't believe they will. But yeah, watch out. They've shown enough over the years since this Butler era that they can get to the finals. If you F around, the Miami Heat will make you pay. They will make you pay, and they will punk teams if they show any signs of weakness. And that's why I love the Miami Heat. I wish like we could take the Miami Heat culture and just drip it into and pour some into the Chargers. That would be nice. Now, I know Brandon Staley is now gone. Thank gosh. If we can get some guys, get some dudes in here and get a coach, Jim Harbaugh, we can get a coach, that mentality, that heat culture to dominate. That's what we need. Miami Heat have that. That's why they can't be discounted. All right, so my top teams, Bucks, Celtics, Dark Horses, 76ers, Heat, the Miami Heat. Now to the Western Conference standings right now. The Timberwolves are the one seed. What the hell? <laughs> How'd that happen? Weird. Random. Eh, not, so, not so fast. Anthony Edwards, pretty good. Um, Nuggets at number two. Thunder at number three. Mavericks at number four. And then five Kings and then Rockets number six. Clippers are surging, but gotta see more. Gotta have a bigger body of work because I've seen too many games with the Clippers that I'm like, uh don't like this. Um But in terms of the top dogs in the Western Conference and the NBA, to me it's the Nuggets and the Lakers. Um I know the Nuggets early on here. There was concern heading into the season. I don't know. Of course, there always is. Are they are they going to have the same motivation, the same mentality of wanting to repeat? Because repeating is hard. Repeating is hard. That's why we don't see very many repeats, and that's why we don't see very many at all. It's pretty much non-existent at this juncture. Three-peats. Hard achievement in any sport. Because we know the Nuggets, when they're like, they are the definition of a well-oiled machine. I said it before. I said it back after they won the championship over the Miami Heat. I said the Nuggets show me, give off signs of the Spurs, of that Spurs culture, well-oiled machine, an efficient basketball team. That's going to make smart plays. That's going to make it, you know, make a smart move during the game. Whether it's Jokic, whether it's Jamal Murray, whether it's Michael Porter Jr., whether it's Reggie Jackson this season who has made a resurgence because he, he 
Started off with the Thunder with KD and Westbrook. That flamed out, got shipped off to the Pistons, and uh, didn't do much. Got to the Clippers. They saved his career, according to him. He was Reggie Jackson making plays, and then he got to the Nuggets. Kind of quiet on the championship team, didn't really play much. This season, he had a game against the Clippers a couple weeks ago. He dropped 30-plus, and I was like, what the heck? No Jokic, no Jokic, no Jamal Murray. But you can't tell me. The, the Nuggets, they have signs of Parker, Duncan, Ginobili, Kawhi. That Spurs machine. And, you know, Malone is a good coach. He's a real good coach. I know he says a, trash talks a lot. I thought LeBron was overreacting to Mike Malone and the Nuggets celebrating their championship. That to me is ridiculous. But Malone's a smart coach. I'm not saying he's Greg Popovich when Greg, when Greg Popovich was on his A game. Now he's lost. A few steps, and I believe the Spurs, as a side topic real quick here, should make a move. I know it's early, but you can't just not win any games since November 2nd and then not get criticized. I know that that team's not great by any stretch. That roster sucks. Just a bunch of dudes. The YMCA, no disrespect, but that's what it looks like, and it's not good. But back with the Nuggets, they just give off signs of the old Spurs. And I believe, based on what we have seen this season, even with even when Murray was out with that injury, now he's back. They've looked really good. Like they they look back on. Like, you know, there's concerns, you know, when you got guys with injuries and they come back, you're like, oh, can they get back into shape? Can they get back into form? And thus far, Murray, he's been back in the form. Like, he's came back the other night and had 23 points. And he was efficient. Like, it's almost like he didn't even have an injury. It's almost like, it, you know, that, that t- month off helped him out. I mean, he was 8 for 12, 26 points, 10 for 12, made some plays. I mean, he is really, really good. Like, Jamal Murray is a really good player. And then you add in Jokic, who can go get you 30 just out of nowhere. Like, you don't see it coming. Like, it's almost boring to watch. It's not fun. It's like the Spurs and their heyday. Not fun to watch. I mean, you just get Jokic paper-cutting you to death. And that's what he's good at. And then you got in Murray and his Dynamo... Ability to score 50 at any given moment. Doesn't do it every game. But man, in the playoffs last season, in those big moments, when the Lakers had a chance, I know it was a 4-0 sweep. I know people hate the term a close sweep. It does sound like an excuse mechanism for LeBron. I don't believe it is, but I believe there is some truth to it. Those games were close. They were within five points. They were in the mix. The, the Lakers could have eaten. If they just had a guy like Kyrie Irving, they could have won those games. Like that series easily could have gone seven games. But it was a sweep. 
because the Nuggets made smart plays. Jamal Murray made smart plays. He made plays to get the deal done. Jokic made smart plays. Since return from injury, Murray, 29 points, 23 points. Reggie Jackson, if you can, you know, once in a blue mood, get him to score 35, that's a big deal. Jokic, we all know what he can do. If he felt like it, he could score 40 a game, no problem. And then he gets to the foul line, makes his foul shots. Big fundamental. That's an example of what that is. He makes it, he operates that Nuggets team. Even when Murray was out, they were still winning big games. That's a sign of a team, a franchise, that is well run. They are stable. There's no concerns. Like we've seen, I mean, I know there's been changes in the roster. People thought, oh, they're going to lose Bruce Brown. No, not really. They haven't missed Bruce Brown at all. They've still been a really good team, regardless of that. And I knew that heading in. Like one guy for the Nuggets is not going to blow up their team. That never happens. So they're really, really good. We all know that. Anyone that knows basketball, you, you cannot take anyone over the Nuggets right now. They have to be the favorites. Because nothing this season, barring, like the only thing that can derail the Nuggets is injuries. That's it. That's about it. Injuries, and that's it. If Jamal Murray is going to have that type of year where he's banged up in and out of the lineup, that's going to be concerning, and that could open the door for other teams, specifically Lakers, Suns, because I believe that those are the only two teams I believe have a, at the end of the day, once we get through the long web of the NBA season that it is, the grind that it is, the grind that 82 games has on the body, the travel in and out of cities. By the time you get through the marathon and get to April, May, and June, if you get that far in May and June, what teams can pace themselves? It's about the type of tools you have. And I believe the Nuggets have the best tools to sustain, to pace themselves. And they know how to pace themselves. They know what it takes now because they did it last year. Through trial and error, now they know, okay. Now I know each season is going to be different. Injuries, trades, teams are going to make adjustments. But if you can do that through the regular season and work out different kinks, the Nuggets got to be the favorites. Like, I'm not going to bet against Jokic and Jamal Murray and Mike Malone and that system that that he's implemented at all. Now, the team, I believe, that is the greatest threat to the Nuggets are the Lakers. And I've talked about it before, again and again and again, that the Lakers, right as currently constructed, 
can easily win the NBA championship. Very easily. Because on paper, on paper, when we're looking at the roster, when we're looking at the Los Angeles Lakers roster, we know LeBron, we know what LeBron's going to do, even at his advanced age, heading on to 39 years old, the dude's going to show up to work and average 25 a game. But in that game against the Pelicans before the NBA Cup, as the Lakers won the NBA Cup, I I know it's a stupid in-season tournament, whatever. In that Pelicans game, LeBron looked really, really good. He did did not look at, and like throughout the season, he has not looked like a 38-year-old player going on 39 in a couple weeks on December 30th. He still looks extremely young. He treats his body well, puts some money in it, knows what to do, which is what every professional, I'm not saying you got to spend that much money because not everyone gets paid. Not everyone makes what LeBron makes. (laughs) But if you're a professional athlete, that's what you got to do. Zion, Zion Williamson, get it together. Get in shape. He needs to take a page off LeBron's book. Just get on a treadmill for once. But, this Lakers team's good. They got LeBron. They got Anthony Davis. They got the names, but Anthony Davis, he needs to show up every game. Can Anthony Davis, we saw him in that championship game in the NBA Cup. I know it's, like I said, NBA Cup. I think it's embarrassing the Lakers put up a banner for it. I know, whatever. That's a different topic, but Anthony Davis needs to show up. Anthony Davis, when we looked at him with the Pelicans, when during his tenure there, the seven years he was there leading the charge, we were like, okay, we chopped it up to, uh, well, he's stuck with the Pelicans. We've had Chris Paul. They've had different guys go through there. And they've not had success because it's the freaking Pelicans. They, you know, not necessarily the, the well-run machine, not, not not a well-known team to be well-run because there was a time when the NBA literally ran the team because there was no owner. Because they were being operated, there were some other issues and they were being run so bad that David Stern, before he stepped down, was running the team. He was the default commissioner and he's the, the infamous vetoing of the trade from the Pelicans, Chris Paul at that time, Hornets, to the um, Lakers. David Stern, as acting owner of the team, stepped in and said, no, you can't go to the Lakers. Because they were trying to form a big three, Kobe, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard. That was their original plan. And then, you know, the rest is history. The Lakers have the big names. Like Anthony Davis needs to show up more consistently. We saw what you did in the bubble. We saw what you did when you led alongside LeBron to win the championship. The torch was passed. The expectation was you were going to elevate your game even further and take the responsibility of winning the NBA championship 
again, multiplying that championship you won in 2020 and inserting yourself into the Lakers history books. And Anthony Davis, in a way, is kind of reminding me shades of Zion Williamson of, uh, I don't really want this. Do you really want this? Because one game, it's 41 points. Then you come out the next game, and he'll score 11 points and nine turnovers where it's like, dude, what are you doing? You need to fix your mentality and fix your motivation. That's what you got to do. It's all, all like they could win the championship, the Lakers. Their season, if they don't make a trade for Kyrie Irving, whether it's trading AD for Kyrie or adding Kyrie alongside LeBron and AD, I just think Kyrie right now would be a great fit with his team with, with an Austin Reeves, with a D'Angelo Russell, with a Ruri Hachimura, with a Tyron Prince, Cam Reddish, like Gabe Vincent when he gets back from injury. This is not a bad team. You add in Kyrie of his scoring, he's still, I, mean, I know he's banged up right now, but he can still score. And who knows, we'll talk about it later in a little bit here, who knows how long that little operation in Dallas is going to last with the Mavericks, with Luka and Kyrie, that duo. Like, with Mark Cuban and that background, behind-the-scenes stuff, I don't know what's going on there. But, you know, selling a stake, you know, his future's sort of being up in the air. What are they going to do, the Mavericks? Luca, is he going to be out of town? So Kyrie, maybe the Mavericks are just going to throw their hands up and say, nah, well, we'll just give him away for free because we're done. We're going to trade Luca. We're going to trade Kyrie. Here, you can have him. We don't want AD. Who knows? But I do believe Kyrie, that type of player, another guy that can score consistently, because I know Austin Reeves is good. But he's been relegated to the bench, and he would. The expectation was he was supposed to be a big three guy, like a number three on a big three. No, I said it all summer when people were discussing: Would he stay with the Lakers? Would he get paid by another team? Overpaid, in my opinion. I believe the Lakers got him on a deal, but he's not a big three member. He's not the third guy on a big three. Like, where the hell did that come from? Just because you can score average 20 a game, which most guys, if you're decent, do that nowadays, you're not a big three. It doesn't make you a star because we're implying that he's a star. He's a good player. That's not bad. But when the expectations were put on his shoulders, Austin Reeves, which is not fair in my opinion, I thought that was rude. I thought that was mean by the media. I thought that was mean by LeBron instigated some of it I thought it was unfair all that like we were putting we were focused spending distracting ourselves talking about Austin Reeves needs to do this he needs to step up when all the focus needs to be on Anthony Davis what does Anthony Davis gonna do like what is he gonna do like we know what he can do one like once a week he needs to bring those performances where he goes off for 40 points and 20 rebounds and do that more consistently. I'm not saying you have to do that, but just do your damn job. He's only averaging 23 points a game. 
LeBron's the leading scorer on the team. You've got to do better than that. Okay? Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, you've got to answer the bell. I say it every week on the show. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Get it done. Because not only do you not show up every regular season game, it happens in the playoffs. Even when you bulldozed over the Warriors, there was games where you were still not showing up. One game you dominated, dominated the Warriors. Then you came back in, I don't know, different game in game five or whatever, and you just looked like garbage. Still won the game, but then you just don't, you got to show up more consistently. Take what you did in 2020 and apply it to now and make changes. Like he hasn't changed. You got to evolve because you got to help LeBron out and manage this window and expectations that everyone has. Because if you start falling into the trap of, okay, we'll just relax until the playoffs and just we'll just figure out the chemistry part then, you can't win like that long term. You can't. No way that's going to work. So the Lakers need to figure that out. Because currently they are the eighth seed in the West. And in their last ten, they are six and four. They're really good at home, ten and two. But the second they go on the road, they are a bad basketball team. They just lost to the Spurs the other night. The Spurs haven't won a game since November second. You freaking kidding me? There needs to be more consistency across the board from this team. They're talented, I get it. But you, the scoring is not always there. AD can't be having goose eggs where he's scoring 11 points. Unacceptable. So, my top two teams in the West are the Nuggets and Lakers. The Suns are a dark horse, but I don't trust them. I still love KD. I loved him on the Golden State Warriors. I think he's one of my favorite players in the league all time. But Devin Booker and that team and how they've thrown it together. They added, brought in Frank Vogel. They changed out the head coach. They're going all in with KD and Devin Booker. That's their owner's mentality, the new one. He's hands-on. He's aggressive. He's going to pay the freight. But I, I don't like it. They still rely on Devin Booker and KD, who has, since his Achilles injury, he's been, well, his entire career, basically, he's, been, he's injury prone. And more recently now, KD has gotten hurt so much recently. It's ridiculous. Like It's like every few months, there's always something. I understand he's averaging 31 points a game. You can make an argument he's, he's in the MVP discussion, but I don't think so yet. I believe it's between Joel Embiid and Giannis. But the expectation needs to be that the Suns 
are not a good enough team. Like, I believe out of all these Western Conference teams thus far this season, I believe they're better than the Timberwolves long-term because I don't trust Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert in a playoff series. I just don't. Excuse me for don't if I don't, but I, I love Anthony Edwards, but I don't trust the, the, the two big men who Draymond's kind of right. I, mean, I know Draymond's a controversial topic and a cheap shot artist and a dirty player and a horrible teammate. But Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are soft. Jimmy Butler called out Carl Anthony Towns in his brief stint with the with the Timberwolves that hey you're 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 entitled you're soft you're talented it's all there the physical tools are there but you don't deliver I believe the Suns are better than them I believe they're better than the Thunder who are who are young they're fun run and gun. Mavericks, I mean, they're kind of. I believe the odds for the Mavericks that they're going to fall apart. I believe they're better than the Mavericks. They're better than the Kings. Better than the Rockets. I know the Clippers recently are playing good. They're eight and two in the last ten. They've turned it around a little bit. They've embraced Harden in the starting lineup. Put Rustbrook on the bench. Will that work long term? I don't believe so. I have to see it to believe it. But I don't believe they're better than the Lakers. I believe the Lakers are still the second best team no matter their seeding. They should figure it out. They're coasting through the regular season, working out what the lineups. I, I believe Darvin Ham is a, a smart enough coach to get that done. Pelicans, I talked about him before recently on the big show. Uh... Zion, get in shape. So the two teams that in the West that matter are the Nuggets and the Lakers. The Suns, to me, are an, an extended dark horse. It's Devin Booker, KD, or Bust, and that's what it comes down to. I know they have Eric Gordon. I know they got guys that come off the bench and play better. They got Nurkage, but I don't know. I don't see it. I just don't believe in today's game and today's era of the NBA that we're in. You need team basketball. This concept of just a big three has never existed. You still need a team. The big three in Miami needed a team. The Warriors needed teammates. The Raptors that season, they needed teammates. The Lakers of Kobe and Shaq. Bulls of Chicago. Michael Jordan. Spurs. Every team needs teammates. They need teammates to go along for the ride. And I don't believe the teammates or the Suns are trustworthy. As of right now. Like, I know they got KD, they got Booker, they got Bradley Beal, Eric Gordon. Do you trust Grayson Allen? Do you trust Nurkage? Do you trust Jordan Goodwin? Do you trust Drew Eubanks, Nasir Little? Do you trust those guys that show up in a big game against, in the playoffs against the Nuggets, against the Lakers, pick the team in the West, the top two teams in the West? I don't think so right now. I believe they can beat anyone else, outshoot them, outgun them. The Clippers, if they keep getting better, they could be a 
a threat, but not right now. They got to do better. Like they got to do better from a roster standpoint with the Suns. Like I, I we, we all know the talent. I'm not. I love K, KD and all of them, but they, I I don't know. I, I can't put them over the Nuggets and the Lakers because I believe at the end of the day, I believe barring injuries, barring disasters, the Western Conference Finals is going to come down to the Nuggets and the Lakers. The Suns, if they get streaky, figure it out from a roster standpoint, they could hypothetically get it done. But I don't see it right now. So those are my top two teams along with Dark Horses and the Western and Eastern Conference. In the East, Bucks, Celtics, 76ers, Heat. And then on the West, um, Western Conference, Nuggets, Lakers, and then the Suns, and then everyone else. Alrighty, so changing. Alrighty, so switching gears to league MVP. Who is league MVP? He should be the favorite. The leading odds as of right now are Luka Doncic, Dwell Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Giannis, and Anthony Edwards. You know, I have been critical of Joel Embiid over and over again. I think he's ultra talented. I believe right now, if I were to give the MVP, he would be in the mix. He's a tie. He's a tie for first with Giannis. I criticize Joel Embiid all the time for the playoffs. Like I still, I like he could win MVP again. Back-to-back, he still needs to show up in the playoffs. That's still, I still need to see him get over the hump. Like, we know all the talents there. We know what he can do. We know that he can go into games and drop 40, get 20 rebounds, get 10 assists. He's a good player. Like, this season, he's been remarkable. And a blowout win the other night against the Pistons. 14 of 24, 41 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. That's what we're talking about. And a blowout win against a stupid, pathetic Wizards team. 14 of 20, 70% from the field, 40% from three. Made all of his free throws, and then he drops 34. 14 of 20, are you freaking kidding me these are crazy numbers these are historical numbers then he got the 50 point game in the first matchup against the wizards earlier this month i mean he's been on a tear Joel Embiid is that dude we know what he can do he can drop 32 35 30 50 38 37 he can do all of that we know that he can he deserved mvp last year no one's arguing that. Anyone that is sane is not going to make that argument. I'm not making that argument. I believe he's well in the mix this season. But if we're talking about getting the deal done in the postseason, he definitely deserves criticism for it because he doesn't show up. And that Celtic series, I know I talked about it earlier that, um, and today, 
he had a chance to slam the door shut in game six at home, home court in Philadelphia, and he melted in the second half of that game. Third quarter and fourth quarter, not good enough. Game seven, you have a chance to redeem yourself against the Celtics team that's mentally fragile, that new coach who doesn't really know what he's doing, Joe Mazzula. And again, you crap the game away. 15 points from Joel Embiid in the game seven, not good enough. I know James Harden was a crap fest too, nine points. Can't have that. So we know what Joel Embiid can do. We know what he can bring to the table, but he needs to show up in the postseason. But yes, he is definitely an MVP candidate that should be taken serious. Like, he could easily win it. But then, if you look at Giannis, which is why I have him tied for first alongside Joel Embiid, Giannis is remarkable. They acquire Dame. Everyone thinks, oh, there'll be you know a major, major adjustment, which I didn't think there was going to be. Now, between Giannis and Dame, between Giannis and Dame, I believe early on, and they still have their kinks they got to work out, but it, lo- it looks pretty good. Now, they have to work it out with the rest of the team, but Giannis, from an individual standpoint, for just talking MVP, for just talking from an individual standpoint, he is playing out of this world um, on Wednesday night a couple days ago against the Pacers of basketball missing gate 64 points from Giannis a franchise record career high 20 of 28 video game numbers 71% efficiency 24 of 32 from the free throw line 14 rebounds that was great. And that was payback from that NBA end-season tournament game when the Pacers came into Milwaukee and outshot the Bucks 128-119. And Giannis at 37, he was big mad and said, I'm going to drop 64, want my damn basketball. And I don't know if he got his basketball, but he got, he got it. He got that win. He got payback from that loss against the Pacers. So, and then other games, another big game he had was against the Wizards, and I know, I mean, it sounds like I'm shitting on the Wizards, but 42 points from Giannis, got 40 against the Mavericks earlier on. I mean, 54 points against the Pacers in a loss. So, he's looked good. Giannis is a player that is... Well, in the MVP discussion, and right now, if I had to pick it, my final two finalists, it would it would be Giannis and Embiid. I believe they are the top two leaders in the clubhouse. If 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 the season were to end today, but it's a long season, as I said, 82 games. They're not quite to the half halfway point. We're still early on. Once we get into late January, February, March, we'll get a clearer picture of where we stand. Some of these, some some of these guys will separate themselves out, and then you got Jokic, who won it two years ago. Some folks in the media, American media, typical, 
not a big fan of it. Like they were oddly critical of him winning the MVP, Jokic, American bias. But this season, he's putting an MVP, arguably, if Embiid and Giannis didn't exist. Jokic has usual big fundamental. He's putting up MVP numbers. He has a 36-point game. He has a 30-point game. He has a 39-point game. I mean, and then on top of those 39 points, he nabs you 10 rebounds, 15 assists, 13 rebounds, 12 assists, 16 rebounds, 18 assists, 21 rebounds, 11 assists. The dude's a machine. He's big, fundamental. If he, hey, he may not be the fastest guy. It's the classic tortoise in the hair. Giannis and Embiid racing out in front of him. He just kind of cruises behind. Don't be surprised if Jokic wins MVP and pisses off a lot of people in sports media. Be kind of funny. But he's definitely in the mix. You cannot not tell me that He's not a serious candidate to win MVP, Giannis, and Jokic. I mean, he doesn't look. I mean, I know to, to the casual NBA fan, he doesn't look anything special. He doesn't look like a basketball player. He just kind of looks like a dude that's big. But he's the best player in the game right now. And the best player in the game could very easily win MVP and no one should be shocked by it because he is that type of player, the type of player that you need to take serious. When we talk about the all-time grades and when we talk about MVPs, I know he's not the analytical, the stats nerd, favorite player, but Jokic gets it done. It's not flashy. It's not fun to watch. But it gets it's called efficiency. It's called playing the game and dominating at what you're good at. He's good at dominating. There's nothing wrong with that. So NBA media, go shove it and quit trying to beat him down. Honorable mentions, Luka Doncic. And Anthony Edwards, Luka Doncic, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, in a few minutes. Hey, he puts up big numbers, averaging 32 points a game. He's had great, great performances the last couple of games. 39 against the Timberwolves. 33 against the Lakers. 35 against the Grizzlies. We know what Luka can do. We He has dragged his team to the NBA Western Conference Finals. We know that he can score. He is, alongside Kyrie Irving, who's banged up right now, the Mavericks offense. That's a big responsibility. If he can get his team to the playoffs, have a decent record, he will have a chance. But I believe Giannis Embiid and Jokic are on much better teams, and they're also leading their teams in scoring, leadership, Game plays, game management, making, orchestrating the offense. I believe those guys deserve um, more credit right now. But Luca is definitely number four for me. 
And then number five, um, Anthony Edwards. We're about to talk about the Timberwolves as a team in a second with their two big men. But Anthony Edwards is a really good player. Okay. He was amazing with Team USA. Everyone, all that coaching staff talked about was how great Anthony Edwards was. He made plays. I've said it before. He reminds me of a young Dwayne Wade. Not saying he's going to be Dwayne Wade, but what he's doing with the Timberwolves team, with Rudy Gobert and with Carl Anthony Towns and how fluctuating they are, being mentally checked out, overcoming challenges, willing to challenge the Golden State Warriors who are not having a great season, especially with the Draymond Green nonsense. But with Anthony Towns, he's playing remarkable. 24 points, the numbers aren't necessarily flashing. And, you know, he's been banged up here and there. But to me, he's a player that has, when he's on, when he's playing his best games, He's definitely an MVP type of player. That's why I don't have. That's why he's an honorable mention. That's why he's number five because the last couple of games he hasn't looked very good. I had a blowout win against the Mavericks. He had nine points, three for nineteen, four for seventeen against the Spurs. He had seventeen, but then some of these big games against the Seventy Sixers, he had thirty-one. He can make thirty-three against the Warriors, like I said. He's sort of in a slump right now, and he probably realistically won't even be on the outside looking in with the MVP. I do believe he still needs to show more consistency over a long season. Like, I believe he's very, very good. I believe he has the potential to be one of the superstars in our league. But... The MVP potential, the young Dwayne Wade of how he can just explode to the basket, the amount of plays he can make, driving the basketball, kicking it out, pulling up in the mid-range, outside shot um, occasionally. He's not great at him. I mean, on occasion, I believe he can shoot too many of them. Like, when he's cold, he'll jack up seven or eight of them, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, we don't need you to do that if you're not hitting them or having a bad game from three. Like, he had two for nine against Sacramento about a month ago. Had 35 points, but he can be inefficient. He needs to work on his efficiency like a Giannis, like a Dame, like a Joel Embiid, like a Jokic, and like Luka. Luka needs to get some playoff wins, but he can make plays and be efficient. I believe he's a player to watch that could take off after Christmas and make some noise in January, February, March, April, and we'll see what they can do in the playoffs, which we'll talk about in just a second, and if Anthony Edwards can elevate that team. So my top MVP candidates are Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, Luka, and Anthony Edwards. Alrighty, so switching gears to can the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Oklahoma City Thunder reach the NBA Finals as of right now? 
Minnesota is the one seed in the West at 18-5. And, and the Thunder are off to a 15-8 and eight start. They are taking advantage of the Kings, Rockets, Mavericks, Clippers, Lakers, Suns, kind of off to rocky starts. But regardless, they are definitely in the mix and should be discussed. And I haven't had a chance to get to them until now. And we were just talking about Anthony Edwards and if he's an MVP candidate. And I believe he is. I believe he is. I believe there's a, I believe he's a player to watch that can make noise in the second half of the season. I love his game. He needs to work on his efficiency and his consistency. But if he can get that working together, because I, st- I do believe the fit with Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns is shaky. That's why I, that's why I'm not gonna put him as a title contender yet, because I don't trust Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. I just don't. I just don't trust it. I know. I know the the Timberwolves are saying the culture has changed. It's a new year. Anthony Edwards, who I love, Carl Anthony Towns, he's improved. Naz Reed, they got some good pieces. Mike Conley, a veteran player. Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, Troy Brown Jr. They got a good team. They're a fun team. But we've seen teams in the past that play well in the regular season. We call those regular season teams. Are the Timberwolves just a regular season team or are they a legit championship team? Let's think about this. Are we going to take Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and then Rudy Gobert? Those three guys and then the other guys I mentioned on the team, are we picking them over the Nuggets in a seven-game series? If the Nuggets are fully healthy. No major injuries, no serious. Jokic is there, Jamal Murray. Are we taking them in a seven-game series? This is not the NCAA tournament. Seven-game series. Heck no. Oklahoma City Thunder. Seven-game series? That's probably going to be a seven-game series. That would be entertaining. Coin flip. Are they better than the Mavericks? I don't know. Not sure. Seven-game series, Luka is good enough to beat that team. Rockets, they could beat them. I think the Rockets are going to fall down. Clippers, right now, that's a seven-game series. Like, to me, I mean, I know the Clippers have their flaws. I've talked about it over and over again. I don't love the Clippers. I used to. But in a seven-game series, it's going to be hard for me to believe Kawhi, if healthy, Paul George, if healthy, James Harden, if mentally straight, with Westbrook behaving and swallowing his ego and coming off the bench, could they beat the Timberwolves in a seven-game series? Yes. I believe they could. The Lakers. I'm taking LeBron and AD. AD is not consistent, but heck, 
we just saw this in a playing game between, I know it's two different teams. I know people are going to say that, but Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns were in that game, right? They were in that playing game back in April at Staples Center. They were at the game. How did they do? How did the Timberwolves do in that playing game against the Lakers? Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns were at the game. Rudy Gobert wasn't there because he had an incident with a teammate. They had locker room issues that supposedly all fixed. Mike Conley was there. Let's look. Towns was 8 for 12, 24 points, 2 for 4 from 3-point range. Did have 10 rebounds. Not good enough. He had two costly turnovers. Edwards, he had four costly turnovers. He was inefficient. 3 for 17. 0 for 9 from 3-point range. 9 points. Got to do better than that. That's why I'm not putting him in the top, completely in the top four in the MVP race. It's because he needs to be more consistent. But if we're talking about taking this team, Timberwolves team, seriously, just look at last year. Less than a year ago, in April, they were having locker room issues. Centering around who? Rudy Gobert, when he went after Jaden McDaniels, or whoever it was, one of those guys, they had an incident. They had to send Rudy Gobert home. They got into the playing tournament somehow, but then they crapped an OT against the Lakers. They got dominated because Carl Anthony Towns is not mentally strong enough. He's a veteran, but then you just watch Anthony Edwards, and I know he's inefficient, still has to work on maturing his game, but he's the adult in the room. He's the mentally stronger player. They got dominated 10-4 in OT. So, no, I'm not picking the Timberwolves right now over any of these top teams in the in the West and then also some of these other teams. They could beat the Warriors or the Pelicans or some team like that. But if we're talking about the Clippers, Kings, no. Well, they're all coin flip games at best. Like, I'm not trusting the Timberwolves yet. And you can say it's unfair or not. Recent history matters, and nothing has indicated to me that Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert have any playoff expertise. And then when we're looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder, I know they got a young, fun team. All those draft picks they've hoarded up, and Sam Presti cheap don't want to spend a lot of money like I, if you were to go look at their books I bet it's efficient I mean they hoard up so many draft picks they're 15 and 8 they were right in the middle and the Western Conference they were in the mix they deserve credit it's taken them a few years they've stolen picks from the Clippers from other teams they got first round picks galore Shea Gilgis Alexander, 31 points. He's a fun player. They got Chet Holmgren. 
who, you know, he does have injury concerns. He was out all last year, but he's looked really good, averaging 17 points a game. Jalen Williams, 17 points a game. Josh Giddy, I know he's uh, got some controversy there. We'll get into that. Who knows when he'll be back. And then you got um Kaysen Wallace from Kentucky. He's he's brought in a tough defensive present. Aaron Wiggins is a solid bench player. Like they got a good team. Like they got a young team that is explosive on offense. They're athletic. They're kind of like a young Detroit Lions team if I were to compare it to the NFL when I talk about the Chargers. They're a young team that can jump on you. They can get after you. If you're not ready to play in a regular season game, they are dangerous. They are without a question the Thunder. With, Shea Gil- with SGA, the Clippers, I bet they, deep in their soul, I know Steve Ballmer doesn't care about money, but he's like, oh man, SGA, heck of a player. I know Kawhi wants to win now and doesn't want to wait on a rookie. But man, that guy is ridiculous. Like, they can jump on teams. Like, in both games against the Warriors, I don't know, the Warriors, as I said, are our fragile basketball team. We've covered it over and over again. We've talked about it over and over again with Draymond. The Thunder, the old young Thunder from a couple years back would never do this. They couldn't go to Golden State and pound them with 128 and 130. They can't do that. Or score 134 on the road at Portland. They can't go into Philadelphia. A tough loss, but they can't go in there in the past and almost beat them. 127-123. They can jump on any team in this league. They beat they crapped on the Lakers a month ago. 133-110. They, If you are not ready, if you are not energized, they can jump on you. They're dangerous. That's a dangerous team that needs to be taken serious that every team in the league should be careful of. But similar to the Timberwolves, but for different reasons, can they be trusted, the Thunder, in a seven-game series? I'm not taking them over the Nuggets. The Timberwolves, that'll be a seven-game series coin flip, as I said. Mavericks, coin flip, entertaining series if both teams stay as is. Kings, entertaining series. I would give the edge to the Kings in seven games because I believe the Kings are more mature. They've been around longer. They know each other. They had, there's a trust factor there. Rockets, eh, I don't even know if they'll be in the playoffs later on in the year. We'll see. But if they do, that's a scrappy series. Two young teams, probably going seven games. Clippers, I would favor the Clippers. Lakers, I would definitely favor the Lakers. LeBron feeds on young teams. He devours young teams and Eats them for breakfast. We've seen it over and over again. Suns, I would finish off. I think the Suns would outshoot them. Pelicans, that would be a seven-game series. And Warriors, if the Warriors do indeed make the playoffs, because right now, if they were to start today, they would be out. 
I would pick the Thunder in a seven-game series or six games because I believe the Thunder, who have swept the Warriors this season, that's definitely a confidence boost. I mean, it's the Warriors. I know they're not great this year, but they still have that history, recent history of domination, that dynasty run that they were on. So to say all that, to say this, if I were to put the Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder in a hierarchy, they're in the middle range to the lower end because I just don't I don't trust them in a playoff series. It's not Mr. Automatic that just because you're good in the regular season that you can flip the switch and go on through April, go on through May and June. It's a neck it's like three extra months of basketball. You go from September in training camp to April, mid April of the regular season, and then you gotta go, which is already a marathon. And then you got to transition to three more months in order to win the championship. It's not easy. The Thunder are a young team and young teams. What's the major key, the downside of that? The future is going to be bright, you hope. But in the immediate future, they don't have any experience. They got to go through the struggles. They got to go through the trials and errors. And right now, they're, look, they're riding hot right now, but they're going to go through struggle points. They could, I believe they'll make the playoffs, but it's no guarantee they're going to finish at the three seed. Even if they do and, and they take off and finish at the three seed, there's no guarantee they're winning the championship or reaching the NBA finals. Let's don't get stupid. So I, I love the Thunder. They're a fun team to watch. They're fun. I love watching the Timberwolves with Anthony Edwards when he's consistent. He's a dynamo. He needs to get it under control. But if we're talking as legitimate threats as an NBA championship, as a finals contender, no. No chance against the Nuggets. No chance against the Lakers. And the Suns. And then coin flips of everyone else. So, alrighty. That's my take on the Timberwolves and the Thunder. Switching gears to Luka Doncic who I talked about earlier. He is a fun player to watch. Fun player to watch. No denying that. No one denies. No one can sit here and be serious and say, yeah, Luka Doncic, he sucks at basketball. Not talented. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like he could... I mean, he's been shamed in the past for not being in shape not taking it serious, drinking too many beers or too much ice cream or whatever. He changed up his diet, started working out. Now, I know he posts cringy videos on IG with the workout videos, with the stair climbing. It's like, okay, we don't need to see you work out. That's one of my pet peeves in life. I don't need to see you working out, okay? Just do your damn workout. You don't need to post that on IG. That's my gripe of Luca, One of them. But I do expect more from him come postseason. Like, we know about the 32 points a game. We know from a career standpoint, he will get you 30 to 35 points per game. We know that he can do that. 
We know that. We've seen it over and over again. He is the Mavericks offense. He is the sole reason that they are even in the playoffs. We've seen it over. It's kind of like the Justin Herbert syndrome of the Chargers. Luka gets in these shootout games with the Lakers. The Thunder we saw recently. We've seen it with every team. Every team in the league. They're all the top, top teams in the league that we've talked about. He's been in big games with them. He just needs to finish the deal. He just needs to finish the deal. NBA is different than NFL. There's 15 guys, 12 guys on a team. The stars have a much greater impact. He needs to do more in the postseason. We saw what he did in the Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors in 2022. He just went up against a better team. Hey, no shame in that. But you can't go backwards like they did last season and with the amount of money he's making and be 12 and 16 in the playoffs and then have your team elect to tank last season after acquiring Kyrie Irving. I mean, they they brought in Kyrie. We were like, okay, boom, cool. And then instead you finish off at 38 and 44. That's not excusable, especially for a guy earning $215 million. A maximum salary player. You've got, I mean, he's got to do better than that. I mean, I, I know we get into these tough debates with players and what they and how much impact they actually have. And when we're talking NBA, you are the impact. The impact is supposed to come from you. We can talk about these 34, 38, 50-point explosions, 60-point explosions. But success in the postseason is how you're ultimately graded, especially in the NBA. Like, in a way, fair or not, it's an indictment. It's a legitimate discussion that I'm willing to have with Luka. That when your team, as I've mentioned... If they elect to go tank mode when you're fully healthy, Kyrie's fully, the whole team's fully healthy, and you lose from March 20th on until April 9th, which is when the last season ended, regular season, they won a grand total, the Mavericks, two games. From March 20th, from April 9th, the Mavericks won two games. They didn't. They, they tanked. Instead, it was Luca. You score forty-two. Kyrie, you score forty-one. Your turn. My turn. Didn't work. And then they rest them. The last few games, when it was well in the mix. Luca needs to get it done. And I. And it's not all his fault. To be fair. The Mavericks. You know with the Mark Cuban stuff recently. And when you just look at this roster, not to make excuses, but this is why I keep saying, I say it over and over again, I've been saying it since the summertime, I believe Kyrie will end up on the Lakers. There is a high degree of probability that could very well happen. Now, it may not happen, and stuff 
doesn't always happen. But when we talk about the Mavericks, when we compare them to the Lakers, when we compare them to the Nuggets, the Suns, the teams that I believe have a chance to reach the NBA Finals, to reach the Western Conference Finals, the Mavericks are not one of those teams I believe will be in the mix long term. Look at how they're the makeup of their team. You've got Luka, but Kyrie and his health and his ventures away from the basketball court. Tim Hardaway Jr., can you trust him? We've seen him again and again and again in big moments in the playoffs. When Luka needs another guy, doesn't deliver, comes up short, starts off fast, finishes down and out. Tim Hardaway Jr., not good enough. Grant Williams, tough guy. But with the Celtics, sure, he had his moments. He's a tough guy, does basic fundamental stuff. But he's not a star player. When Grant Williams is your fourth leading scorer at 10 points a game, you got to do better than that. Okay, like Tim Hardaway Jr. can't be your th- third, can't be your third leading scorer. Derrick Jones Jr., Dante Exum, who has a good game once in a blue moon. Seth Curry, who's not the same anymore. Dwight Powell. I mean, this team's not good enough. So, I believe Luca. If he's serious about winning. If he's serious about winning an NBA championship and bringing his talent to a championship level and earning the hardware that every NBA star is expected to achieve or get close to, which he has not up until this point, for various reasons beyond maybe even his control, especially with roster management, He does have some control over that. This is not the NFL. NBA players have heavy influence on who comes into the locker room. Like I said, 12 to 15 guys on a team. This is not 40 to 55 guys on a roster, sometimes 60. For football, this is a small team. Talking to small teams. Luka can have influence. He can get a star to come. Trade for a star. Didn't doesn't seem like when I watch the Mavericks play that he enjoys playing with Kyrie. Sure, Kyrie's definitely talented. We have the other issues beyond basketball with Kyrie. But if we're talking town-wise, they're on the same level. When Kyrie's on, he can score 40, 50 points. But if we're talking about fit, there's no flow of the offense. They're not talented enough. So they cannot, in my opinion, compete with these top teams. So I would not be disappointed. I would not be outraged. And I know the Mavericks fan base would be outraged. If Luka wants to win, if he's serious about enhancing his career, he needs to go somewhere else. I don't believe the Mavericks have what it takes to get it done. For a period there, Mark Cuban was all in. 2006, they got to Western Conference Finals. They got deep in the playoffs, and they got broke through in 2011. Since that point, they haven't been the same team. 
They haven't been able to break through when they've had chances. And they got Luka, who fell into the lap. Dirk retires, and they get Luka walking through the door. Another European player. And then you don't deliver. I mean, you got to, I mean, I know it's Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, not a flashy NBA franchise, but you should be able to attract guys and play of Luka. Dallas is not a, it's not Oklahoma City. It's a big city. It's not, you know, Miami, not LA, not New York, but it's a big enough city. In a, in a state where, you know, you get to keep your money, which these NBA players love their money. They can't get anyone really to come along for the ride, which is why I believe from a long-term perspective, the Mavericks are going to be a team that could end up blowing it up in February at the trade deadline. Or just are, you know, trading Kyrie at the trade deadline to the Lakers and then getting... Shipping off Luca during the summer because I don't see this team getting to the Western Conference Finals and I don't see him competing for an NBA championship. I just don't. So, if I were to predict right here, right now, the Mavericks they made an attempt with the Kyrie Irving duo alongside Luca. I don't think it works. There's no flow to the offense. Kyrie's already banged up again. And the roster is just not talented enough. Even if they had a good system in place, which I don't believe they do. Okay, so switching gears to Monty Williams and the Pistons here to wrap up the show. And, you know, I've talked about Monty Williams before. When he got fired and let go from the Phoenix Suns, I was low-key disappointed. Like, I thought that was a mistake. Like, they, the Suns brought in Frank Vogel. And, you know, Frank Vogel's not a bad coach, but sure, he won the championship with, with LeBron and the Lakers in 2020. But that's with LeBron, to be fair. LeBron can make in my opinion, a lot of coaches look smart, smarter than what they are. And Frank Vogel, he had that good run with the Pacers for seven years. And then he fell off with Orlando. And I know it's Orlando. And until now, the Magic were in purgatory for NBA from, from an NBA lens. But he, he didn't rise him up. And then he came to the Lakers, won the championship in 2020, and then kind of fell off. Like he needed Jason Kidd on his bench. He needed Phil Handy. He needed Lionel Hollins. He needed all of these guys that have been coaches before in the NBA or currently a coach to be alongside him. And the same thing taking place with the Phoenix Suns. But Monty Williams is a damn good coach. And I know the Pistons, if you're at a Google the NBA standings, or Google the Pistons, you're going to see on the list, way down there, at dead last, 2-23, and 23, they've lost 22 straight games. Not good. Not good at all. 
and there are some Pistons fans that I've seen. There's not a lot of it, but I, it, it caught my attention. It's caught my attention the last couple of weeks. I haven't had a chance to talk about it. And I think people, and I said it back when Monty Williams got the job and the highest paid contract in NBA coaching history, definitely deserved, in my opinion, from how good, how how much I value him. But they got to be patient. The Pistons, as a franchise, if we're just going to look at their recent history, Ever since the Larry Brown days, when they had Rasheed Wallace, Ben Gordon, Ben Wallace, all those guys, um, you know, they haven't been the same. Chauncey Billups, Pip Hamilton, tough teams. Then you got the bad boy Pistons and with Isaiah Thomas and, you know, go down the list. Bill Lambeard. They haven't they haven't made the playoffs, which was the first round since 2018. They've only made the playoffs twice, including that 2018 appearance twice since 2008. They've gone through Dwayne Casey as the head coach, Stan Van Gundy, Maurice Cheeks, Lawrence Frank. I mean, I mean, they've they've recycled through. I mean. Flip Saunders. I mean, they, they've they've gone through head coaches like it, like it's nothing. Ever since that Larry Brown era, it hasn't been the same. Since that blimp on the radar, it wasn't good. It hasn't been good. And I believe that fan base needs to be patient. Like this is a tear down and blow up job with the with, with the Pistons. Like, this is not one of those where you got to flip a switch and just improves. And Monty Williams has his work cut out for him. And it's going to take majority of that five-year contract. Like, this is not a... Like, if people were expecting it to be a one-year wonder, one-year fix, a media fix, like instant oatmeal, no. Then you are sadly mistaken. Like, you should not be shocked that this team, as of right now, has lost 22 games in a row. You shouldn't be shocked. This is exactly what you should expect from a team that's not very talented. They got Cade Cunningham. We know about him. We know what Cade Cunningham can do. He's a great, fun, young player. Has a lot of potential. Scores a lot of points. Assists the basketball. He missed most of last year. A majority, pretty much all last season with the injury. Which was unlucky for him. So this is technically his first year. So there's a lot to take into consideration. The Pistons as a culture recently. The recycle through head coaches. Not giving guys enough time. Giving guys, some guys, some coaches too much time. You got a young player in Cade Cunningham averaging 22 points a game. He's healthy now. You just got to get a good team around him. Jaden Ivey hasn't panned out. I know he's been receiving tough love from Monty Williams, which is what Monty Williams is good at. He's good at tough love. He'll give tough love to 
Cade Cunningham, Jay Nivey, Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley. I mean, go down the list. This is not a talented team. They need to get more talent and ability. I mean, good grief. Way down the bench, you got James Wiseman. The immortal James Wiseman won the biggest bust in NBA history. They got to blow up the roster, dump a bunch of contracts, and dump a bunch of guys that aren't talented enough. Cade Cunningham will be fine. Now, I'm not saying you got to wait 10 years, but I believe give him the rest of this season, install culture, next season get better, bring some better pieces in, and then by year three, be in contention to make the playoffs. And then we'll see where we go. But I definitely believe Monty Williams deserves to live through all this contract because you got to bring in veterans, learn how to win, learn how to lose. That's what they got to do. So the fan base needs to be patient and rushing results, rushing a rebuild is not a good idea. Never is. So, Monty Williams is a smart coach. He'll bring in the veterans that he needs to. He'll make the adjustments. He's trying to figure out what he has, which is the biggest key in all of this. When you're a team like the Pistons, you're a team that's in the dumps, that's you know one of the worst teams in the league, you got to figure out where to, where to start. But luckily, they got a star in the building in Cade Cunningham, a young star. So they know they got they got that, but so what what's Asir Thompson? What's he like? What's Killian Hayes? Is he gonna can you keep him around? Bring in some veterans and then see where see where the chips fall. But right now, th- this team's is not good enough. They're just not. Like they're a team, the Pistons, that should be losing twenty two games in a row. Like, they're the type of team. They're a team that should have a top two first overall pick. Everyone knew that. They were not going to explode into the scene. I think Monty Williams took this job, took this rebuild job, and said, all right, I'll come here, but I'm going to need that bag, and we're going to fix a lot of stuff. And I believe long-term, if they're patient, if the Pistons are patient, and I know fan bases can don't have much patience. They're fanatics. I'm a fanatic. But if you want to change the trajectory, the current path of the Pistons organization, you got to be patient. It's not going to be fixed overnight. This is not a quick fixer-upper. This is a long, blow-it-up, value what you got, Start from scratch. And luckily, you got the first part of that fix with Cade Cunningham in the building. So, hopefully they'll be patient. I get nervous when I like like a coach and they go to a crappy situation. Like Monty Williams going to the Pistons, which is a crappy, not an ideal situation. It's definitely not. I mean, I know managing stars is hard, but you would much rather handle. That's a good situation to be in, in most cases. Much, much harder 
much more taxing to deal with a young team and then a team that doesn't have you're trying to figure out what you got. Like, do you have good apples on your team or do you have bad apples? Who are the good guys in the locker room? Who are guys you can fix? Who are guys you can keep? It's tough when you're on the bad, bad teams because then that can change some guys' tone and desire to stick with it long term. So, all righty, that is it for this special edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.